like come on come on do you have to realize that it's not 2021 anymore mm-hmm. you are also competing with extraordinarily lot more people what got you here won't get you there this is a phrase that always does the rounds every once in a while especially in the startup ecosystem in an employers market the mechanics of getting a job have gotten way more stringent that's not to say that jobs don't exist but gone are the days when employees would have the luxury of sitting on five offer letters and rejecting four at the very last minute the problem is that some candidates some potential employees are still stuck in the 2021 lane in this episode of cost to company i speak to three people the co-founder and ceo of growthx the people and culture lead at bloom ventures and an AVP of HR at CIO to find out some of the mistakes that candidates are making these range from not so obvious digital hygiene practices to more macro strategic reasons as to why your job application is perhaps going to the trash can you want to get your notepads and pens out for this episode of cost to company a weekly podcast around careers and workplaces by the ken i'm your host shriva I don't have any issues in calling out sort of the elephant in the room when we look at people and resumes that we get um and you know people are one to two years outside of outside of college and want to apply for strategy roles you just heard from Riya Shaw Desai she is the people and culture lead at Bloom Ventures a venture capital fund that boasts of portfolio companies like Unacademy Dunzo and Spinny previously she's also worked with Sula Vinyards and Teach for India i think one of the the blessings and the curse of working in vc is every day we are very fortunate to get a number of inbounds but we don't have so many roles we're not hiring on a regular basis so i think what's critical is to speak to everyone and get some sort of pulse of who are they what do they want at bloom ria was the first leadership hire in the people function and was responsible for pretty much creating the company's people policies and frameworks from the ground up and there was one thing in particular that the pulse of today was telling her you know sometimes we we feel like saying what strategy like you know what does what does strategy mean to you because even the most low level role is strategizing strategy is not uh it's not a noun it's a verb and i i feel like telling people that you know really understand what you are what what are you strategizing towards what are you bringing to the table uh and i think working with a strategic mindset comes with few years of experience and i think that's something that uh we look at a lot of roles uh and this is even from you know earlier on in my career i think one of the gripes that some tier leaders and organizations do have is that no one wants to do what they think is grunt work and even in vc or even in entry level roles in startups no one wants to do 
operational data and data analysis, not data entry, but, you know, data analyst sort of roles. Uh, Everyone thinks that the exciting roles are further up the ladder, not realizing that the focus, the discipline and the ground level view that you get through data or through operations or, you know, through execution of whatever it is, project management, people management, that sets you up for much more. And that sets you up for uh, better and bigger success. Um, and, you know, working people saying, I want to I wanna come in and, you know, work in strategy roles really early on in their career is, is a, I won't say red flag, but it's a yellow flag because it indicates a little bit of, I don't want to get my hands dirty. Perhaps one of the biggest fallacies of the job application process is not understanding the job role itself or having false expectations. And this is particularly with strategy roles, which seem to have gotten very popular over the past few years. It's the classic shiny object syndrome. But it's not just Rhea who's saying this. I think that's not happening in freshers, but it's happening way sooner for someone with just two years experience. That's Udayan Valvikar, aka UD, and he's the co-founder and CEO of GrowthX, a community-based learning platform based out of Bengaluru. He's worked with companies like Merkel Socrati and Razorpay in the past. The rise in the number of people wanting to do strategy was something that even he had noticed. I think that threshold of the inclination to do that was what's typically starting at four years or five years before. And now at two-year mark, they're like, strategy karna hai, ah. right? <laughs> do hell with this. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest with you, uh-huh. if, by the way, even given the chance for those folks to do strategy, uh-huh. I can write it and give it to you that 9 out of 10 people will not like it. Okay. You don't understand that when you are doing your own craft, you are able to execute things and see that return. Mm. The mom- the feedback loop of high that you get by doing that is unparalleled. That strategy will never get you. Ah. It just sounds sexy. It just feels <laughs> sexy, right? But it isn't, mm. uh, to be honest with you. Right, um, you do strategy when you when you when you've hit that upper threshold of your own IC mm. work, mm-hmm. and now you want to scale that across mm. functions. That's when strategy will be a great lever for you. Correct. Udayan had also briefly shifted to the startup capital of the world, San Francisco. And I think after six months to nine months, I just understood a lot more about growth and what's happening in India. And then I decided, dude, in 20 years, okay, this might be like a, an unpopular opinion, but I feel like in 20 years, I would rather have my kids be going to college and taking a job in India rather than, let's say, US. Uh, and I think that was a tipping point for me saying that, okay, you know what, then makes sense for me to build a career in India. So back in India, Udayan and his co-founder Abhishek created GrowthX, a community for product and growth professionals which slowly but steadily also turned into a talent matchmaking platform. There was supply, there was demand, but now, given the current scenario, there's a bit of a problem. We had about close to 400 hiring partners uh, in 2021 and 2022. Actively hiring right now are less than 30. Right? So I think that should tell you a lot about the market. And this mismatch, where the supply of talent is superseding the demand, tells us how the labor market has changed. He told me that applying for jobs now required an extra effort. The need to stand out and to focus on companies that actually have sound business models and cash in the bank. Doing that extra work is actually a lot more important now, and which has always been true, but like a lot more intensively important than before. 
right because before it was spray and pray even companies were actually doing marketing like spray and pray only right you launch something in the market it's going to work in 2021 right it's the same thing with employees i'm just say i'm looking out for a job i have 10 offers in my hand right the same thing is happening but the opposite this phrase makes so much sense right spray and pray employees were doing it with their job applications companies were doing it with their open positions something we've also discussed in the first few episodes of cost to company but in the current situation it's mostly pray because the job opportunities are scarce but remember every year there are still lakhs of people who are graduating but interestingly there's a different kind of spray and pray that's happening within the organization itself ria from bloom calls it male bombing there are days when i'll i'll wake up and my inbox has 10 colleagues having forwarded me the same candidate while some people may definitely say that's persistent and someone is really trying i have a slightly different view i think if you're if you're applying to a firm you know there you you do find a decision maker even if you want to mail 10 people in the firm really figure out what pain points of theirs you're solving you know if you're if you're looking for an investment analyst role and you send something to someone who is sort of the default cfo they're not the decision maker over there uh it takes up their time they're not the best evaluation of whether they should pass you along or not so for me it shows a little bit of lack of prep- uh, preparedness uh there are times where i've had to tell people we've just received your mail yesterday morning at 6 am you followed up in 24 hours asking me for an update unfortunately i don't have one in that amount of time i'd love a little patience while we go through everything but yeah i think just it, it, you're not going to get your foot in the door any faster if you you know if you mail 50 or 75% of the team what will really work is trying to get a a strong reference those are not referrals people are just forwarding me mails but if someone tells me ria this person's reached out he's going to reach out to you as well i've worked with him on x just have a chat i'm much more likely to do that so i think the art of a cultivated referral or the art of a really great if you're reaching out cold great but you know reach out with a really strong cold email and to the people who you know are decision makers i think that's going to speed you up through the process versus um you know trying to get in through every nook and cranny so this was happening you were mail bombing pretty much the entire organization perhaps this would have worked in the past where everyone was on a hiring spree nobody would mind but mail bombing also has a close cousin i call it position bombing I think another part of it would be applying to practically every position that's open on your website. Now that just tells me that just tells me that you you don't know what what makes sense to you. That's Bhakti Dhanak. She's the associate vice president of human resources at CIco, a startup incubator which is based out of perhaps the country's most prolific B school, IIM Ahmedabad. In the past, she's also worked with brands like Vodafone and Sintel. Uh, you don't know where you fit in that just shows the seriousness that you bring to the table right because uh, that also tells me that I, am i even really um, bothered about what my career looks like uh, okay you know i am in a need of job i will apply to an hr opening to a marketing opening to a finance opening i mean that doesn't work on the surface mail bombing and position bombing might seem like the extra effort that pudian was speaking about but it often backfires In fact, Udayan is dealing with some never seen before challenges with the hiring process at Crotex itself. We'll hear more from him right after this break. 
A few weeks ago, the founder of a tech company in Bangalore decided to order a paneer burger and Pepsi combo via ONDC or the Open Network for Digital Commerce. Now think of it as the UPI for e-commerce launched by the government to control the monopoly of e-commerce giants. Little did he know that his food order would cause a debate on Twitter. You see, the order cost him just a little more than half of what Swiggy and Zomato were charging. Not long after, other users began comparing prices and ultimately the whole debate boiled down to one question. Will ONDC kill Swiggy and Zomato? But that is not the question that I took up on Daybreak last week. Why? Because it really depends on a whole bunch of factors and honestly, it's not that interesting. Instead, the question that I tried to answer was, do we want ONDC to win? And if it does win, then what will be the consequences? You'll find the link to the episode in the show notes of this one. I am Snigda Sharma, the host of Daybreak. Thank you for listening to The Ken. And if you're not a subscriber yet, well, you're missing out. Now, back to Shrivar. I can give some insights. I think we've just hired about 30 folks in the last six months. And yeah. <laughs> um, like, I can tell you, oh my God, uh, I think lots, but I think I'll segment number one for the folks who are with, I think it's general one to three years of experience. Hmm. One is, I think having very templatized uh, responses, emails, cold reach outs, there is just no personality that is reflecting out. And, right. and you want personality, you're saying? Do you, do you... 100%. <laughs> I, think, I think any startup with up to 2,000 people huh. wants personality because that's what drives growth for them. If you're trying to mm. join a company that has 50,000 employees, they don't want personalities. <laughs> they want you to do as you are told, right? Correct. But if you're joining any startup, doesn't matter a large startup or a small startup, mm. if it's a startup, they want to see your personality coming out. 110%. Showing your personality is great, but it's also a balancing act. I mean, you don't want to send in an empty CV to prove that you're a blank canvas. And then second thing is, um, I think not being serious about the uh, proof of work. Let's say I think for some of our roles, we do have ask us assignment in round two. So we do a first screening call, we get them on a Zoom call, etc. And then second round is assignment. You will be surprised on the amount mm. of no effort that people put in for their assignments, right? Okay. And these assignments are not crazy, like long. We say that we're going to give you an assignment that's going to take you three hours. Mm. But people will use like GPT, okay? <laughs> it's very, very obvious. And they'll give that entire answer out. Some One person who didn't even delete his prompts. Oh. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> You have to realize that it's not 2021 anymore. Chat GPT is the messiah of averages. But being average is just not cutting it. So I asked him a hypothetical question. What if somebody applied to his organization through a direct DM? Wouldn't that be insubordination because you're almost bypassing the regular job process of going through the HR manager, the talent acquisition specialist, the hiring manager? I would respect the person so much more, 10x more. Shri, it's, okay, if, this is hard by the way, okay? That's why it's not about subordination. I actually would say don't even apply. Just do this if you want to get a job at Vortex, right? And I can guarantee you no, like very few people will. 
because it's hard it's hard to take that effort a lot of the cold stuff was only through proof of work hmm. i founders never going to be unhappy if you are going to show proof of work to them or like it's not even subordination hmm. what will happen is a founder will essentially like appreciate you he'll send that screenshot to the ta and tell them to fast track your process ah that means there is no keyword scanning for your profile by the way you're already in and if fast tracked so your prioritize uh, every time the ta will message the team they'll be like hey this is a really good candidate the founders told me to fast track mm can you give me an interview slot when for large founder like you know even let's say even if you today cold dm sashank kumar mm. or harshil mm. 100% they will value that odian here is referring to sashank kumar and harshil mathur the founders of razor pay a company that he has worked for in the past so Contrary to what the Twitter threads and LinkedIn posts about cold calling templates and cold DMing templates might tell you, it's perhaps best to lean into your personality a little bit. Of course, the next obvious doubt in my mind was: Would founders really have the time to sit and post through all these CVs and cover letters which came on their inbox? But Udayan told me that it was still very rare for him to receive these kind of messages. But whenever he did, he made sure to fast track these applications. and was generally surprised with the kind of work that some people were putting in but it's not all sunshine and rainbows ria told me that there's also a sense of entitlement that has seeped through this generation i'm seeing a lot of people when they're in the interview process you know these are people who have followed up incessantly with us and said i really want really want we've taken it forward and then when it's time to schedule interviews we get a lot of pushback oh i'm not available i have this quarterly closing call and i have this can we do can we push it and in my mind uh, i have told people sometimes very nicely please remember you approached us for a job we do have other candidates we do have a limited amount of time with the senior decision maker so we'd love for you to try and make this possible but uh, it's surprising because on one hand i see so much hunger on one side to want to get in and i want to work in vc and then when we're trying to make it happen uh, there's not a lot of cooperation on that side and you know a lot of our eas get pretty pretty upset because they also try partners calendars are really packed and you know they they're great about making time for interviews because this is such an important part of the process so if uh, if a partner at a vc firm can make the time for an interview i do believe other people can try and work their schedules around something that uh, they really seem to want to do let's go back to bhakti from cico i think one of the trends that i've seen is that people do go through the process right uh, the interview process um, they start off uh, and you go through the entire process and come the last stage that's when they start renegotiating uh, uh you know um and i think that's been a trend uh, you know suddenly i mean in spite of you having put things out there very clearly with respect to what's the budget that we're looking at what's the location or what's rather the you know the employment type whether it's a full time role whether it's uh, a remote or uh, an in office role right a work from office role um i think suddenly so what happens is um at least in my experience uh, i i see a lot of such renegotiations happening towards the end uh, while of course they try to ask all all the right questions uh, so to say in in the process but i think this trend definitely exists that you know because they're like theek hai you know abhi abhi the markets are the way they are they have liked me so far so now at this stage maybe they'll agree to everything else that i say 
Now, this was a rather interesting trend that Bhakti was noticing. Once candidates had a foot in the door, they were doing some arm twisting. But how does she deal with this? I think for us it's a deal breaker. I mean, uh, depending on, of course, what is it that you're trying to renegotiate. If it's a small little thing here and there, maybe something changed during the process, it's fine. Uh, but when you suddenly, you know, uh, would want to, I think I think we stick around with whatever we've uh, gone ahead uh, with in terms of whatever we would have promised, right, from the beginning of our conversation. Uh, I think, yeah, I think we, we really value transparency. And I think most of the uh, founders, most of the hiring managers do. Because that's what really, this is your first step of building that trust, right? This is a trust building process, uh, the entire interviewing process. And that's what decides whether you're going to go a long way or not. Uh, so it's very important. Bhakti went on to tell me that it also felt like candidates were still in the stupor of the pandemic years when they were appearing for online meetings and interviews. Something as basic as grooming was not being taken care of. And speaking of interviews, Ria from Bloom told me about one of the biggest missed opportunities that almost every candidate should grab. One of the best questions to ask anytime, you know, in an interview process that always ends with, do you have any questions for us? Ideally, these questions should come before. People don't take a lot of advantage of this sort of golden opportunity of asking these things. But I think, you know, early on, maybe in the first conversation also, I think indicating what what are the learning opportunities? I'm using the term non-monetary benefit, but I think a lot of people can say, what are the growth, learning, additional value add in this role? You can call it what you want. Uh, I think it's very important to interview your manager, so to say, or at least know the person you'll be working for. I think a lot of people go by the role, but sometimes uh, the role may be quite standard, but the person you're working with or the team that you're getting to work with is doing great stuff. So I think be very cognizant and bring those up early in the interview process. If if your direct manager is in front of you, then asking them up front, what, you know, how do you think you'd, you'd be able to work with me or how, what are things I can learn when I'm with you? A lot of people, a lot of managers don't get asked that. A lot of people, a lot of people tend to be in interviews and say, okay, what, what is the comp? What is the role? What is the growth? But really focusing on the manager is something that, you know, if you do that, you do stand out. Because if, if someone asks me, Ria, what can I learn working with you? That's, that's a very different approach than, you know, what can I get out of Bloom? While the job application process is getting more and more lateral in the age of proof of work and cold DMs, like Odean mentioned, the linear process still exists. In majority, that too. And regardless of what the shape of the process looks like, one thing is for sure, that the process is to build trust, as proven by Bhakti and Rhea. It's your first tryst with trust at a company, your prospective future employer. So it's obviously in your best interest that you don't mess it up with mail bombing, position bombing, and not following basic digital and physical hygiene. See, the right questions go a long way and probably a bit of your personality too what are some of the points that stood out for you what else would you like to add to this list i'm eager to know your thoughts i'm on linkedin and twitter so is the ken see you for the next episode this episode of cost to company was written produced and hosted by shrivar chotaria with audio engineering by rajiv cm 
I'm your other host Sneha and you'll hear from me next Tuesday on Cost to Company.